back to another special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce, and I'm joined on the line by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing good, and fall is starting to take effect here in Texas. Must be nice, because you know what? Fall is definitely in full effect here. The leaves are changing, well, changed, and and there are trees that are now barren, and Leaves are all over the ground, so yeah, autumn is here for sure, and uh, it got cold um, the other day, like this morning, I was out with my students for phys ed outside, and it was like five degrees Celsius. It was cold. My kids were cold. It was not fun, but yeah. So I'm glad to see autumn finally showed up to, for you down in Texas. Oh, uh, well. And uh, so... Uh, how how's the football team doing? How are how are your Saints? And they have not played this week, and they're playing next Monday. Oh, they're not. Oh, right. Let's have a look at the old standings. Well, the Cowboys are doing well. I'm sure you're never hearing the yep. end of that. Cowboys are five and one, and I'm sure everybody in Dallas is just loving it. Yep. And the rest of the division officially stinks. Washington, Philly, and the Giants are all terrible. That's good news. Well, look at that. The Packers and the Buccaneers are both good, too. Who knew? Uh, who knew Tom Brady could still play football? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no, it's uh, remarkable. You know, you know what else started? Hmm. The NHL started. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, I, mean, I, I hate to gloat here, but my, my local team here, the Ottawa Senators, took out the Dallas Stars the other night. 3-2 to two here at home. Pretty good. Taking care of their business. We're kind of excited up here, their Lux, for the, for, the, for the Sens this season. They've got a team full of young kids, and they're, and they're, and they're looking pretty darn good. Uh, and they just signed the, their, uh, their top young prospect, or the top young player that they had. It was a, it was a free agent. Uh, restricted free agent, so that they just sign a long-term seven-year deal. So everyone in the city is pretty excited, and the team looks pretty decent so far. Like they've won, they're two and one so far in the first three matches of the season. So yeah, no, it's uh, kind of exciting. Like we up here, we love our hockey. So to have hockey season start, you know, at more or less the right time for the hockey season, and you know things to be sort of going back to normal feels really good. I don't know how you guys are finding it with the whole co- with the whole COVID restrictions, but like things are starting to feel like things are almost back to normal. Would you agree? Yep. Like it's starting to get 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 that way. I mean, obviously we can't just close a blind eye to it and just let you know, the virus run wild because there's still it's still out there making lots of people sick. But uh, yeah. Hockey season started, football season's going, like people are able to go to see movies again and like obviously you gotta take precautions, but I think it's uh, yeah. kind of kinda of nice. Now if only they would let us have like regular school, like instead of the school like we've got right now, which is kinda of, which is really, really tough to maintain. We gotta keep the kids in their cohort. So if you're in your class, you can only play with the kids in your class. And you can like you have a designated area of the schoolyard that is your your class's yard. Like that's kind of tough, frankly. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, tough. It's kind of a tough way to be. Yeah, particularly if you don't necessarily get along with all the kids in your in your group. Um, this is a problem. Yeah, they fight all the time. To- they fight all the time. We have a, we've had a, I've had a lot of. Mr. Gray spending lots of time after class dealing with kids and their assorted misbehaviors. So, anyway. Oh, oh well. So, folks, uh, let's get a little bit of a little uh, housekeeping underway here. So, don't forget, if you like what you hear here on the podcast, you can check all of our content out at thelotuscouncil.com. Um, and that means you find the podcast. It gets automatically uploaded there each and every week. Um, and, uh, but on top of it, you get access to all the other content on the, on the, on the Lotus Council and through their discord, all the great things that are going on in deck channels. Um, or if you want to talk about, 
uh, recent events or you just want to crack a joke or you just want to talk to somebody about, I don't know, something unrelated to magic. You want to talk about your football team. You want to talk about, you know, the upcoming holidays or your Halloween costume. There's lots of places to talk about that. Channels of every shape and size for people who want to uh, talk about all sorts of different things. So uh, come on in, check it out. And Lux, as always, uh, how much does it cost to be part of the Lotus Council Discord? And not a single penny. Not a single penny. Well, that's music to my ears. That means more money for cards. Because <laughs> I'm a degenerate. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I should actually cut that segment out, that, that degenerate, and save it for later. Because that might be good. <laughs> I also need to save that laugh. Because that laugh is like the maniacal Lux laugh. We need to keep that too. So I might go, go snip out some things on this week's show and save them for later. Oh dear. Anyway, all right. Uh, don't forget, folks, we also have a giveaway. So I'm going to be giving away a pack of MH2. Uh, and all you got to do to enter is stick around to the end of the show and find out. So pretty simple. Stick around to the end of the show. We're going to try and keep this one nice and sweet and short and sweet this week um, because we know that people have got Crimson Val on the brain. It's coming down the pipe. Soon it'll be upon us. I think previews start next week or something like that, right? Is that right? I think so. I think so. That's crazy. It's like we just got through Midnight Hunt and now we're into Crimson Val. And... Oh, boy. But anyway, um, so look all very cool. So check out, uh, the, stick around to the end of the show and find out how you can be entered to win a pack of MH2. All right, Lux, are you ready? Our tonight's show, we're going to have three segments. All right, so we're going to have Garbage or Great, which is, I think it'll be an interesting one. Then we're going to have a reasonably interesting conversation with uh, about um, an article that was po uh, posted, um, basically uh, outlining whether or not um, well, we should be moving Commander decks to being 120 cards. And we'll start. We thought we'd explore that idea a little bit more. And then I've got a very super budget brew um, that is way, way cheaper than we normally would brew here on the show but I think can still pack a pretty mean punch if uh, you get yourself going. So uh, we'll go through this week's, uh, this week's deck. All right, so are you ready, Lux? Yeah, let's get into it. You just get into it. All right, so garbage or great. And so for anybody at home listening, playing along, this is where we go and go to scryfall.com and we go find check the random button and see what random card gets spit out. So this week's card is a doozy, uh, is Braid's Cabal Minion. So this is two black black for a legendary creature human minion before it's a two two and it says at the beginning of each player's upkeep that player sacrifices an artifact creature or land now Belox, before we get into the discussion here it is banned in commander so does that shape our opinion about this card whether it is garbage or if it is great Well, honestly, the the fact that it got banned from this format, obviously, it's not garbage. But then again, like it can't be great either, since it can't be used. Well, okay, let's 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 remove the 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 banned moniker here. Let's just say, let's pretend for argument's sake, Cabal Braids Cabal Minion was legal. If you're if you someone sat down to play it against you, what would you say? This is their commander. Braids is their commander. What would you say? Well, if I was playing the appropriate colors, I would detention sphere her big time. Uh, well, does detention sphere work? Because if you exile this thing, it just goes back to the command zone. Right? Like, someone who's playing this as your commander, detention sphere doesn't keep it dead. It just exiles it, and they, they, they pop it back to their command zone, and you are stuck with the same nonsense all over again. So, okay, my, my honest, thought is, honest thought is, it is very good. All right? It's a very good card. Very powerful, uh, with a, with a, but the effect on it is highly undesirable. Right? Like, yeah, I can, I can easily build a deck exploiting this, this, car, this creature's ability 
to such a degree that my opponents can't do anything and I win the game, right? That's not, that's not a stretch, right? However, would anybody enjoy the experience? Black, what do you think? Would you enjoy playing this as someone else sat down to play it against you? And honestly, no, I would not. No, no. So it's really difficult to call it great when everybody who sits down to plays it just groans. Like, oh, no. And that's why this card got banned. I'm almost sure of it. Because no one is excited to play a card where you don't get to keep your resources. You don't get to keep your materials. And so, sure, braids may be a symmetrical effect. If you're the braids deck, you're finding ways of making tokens all all day long. You're playing Endrixar and making tokens and just living the dream of sacking tokens for your braids so that you don't, like, you are minimum impact to you and your opponents lose their everything, and the, including their minds, their ever-loving minds. Like, that doesn't feel good. I'm not, like, so I have to conclude that as much as this card is powerful... Powerful doesn't make it great, right? Like, it doesn't make it a great card to play. It just makes it very powerful. So, I kind of want to come down on the side that this card is garbage because, again, nobody wants to play against it. No one's excited to say, oh, geez, oh, boy, I'm glad you brought your Braids Cabal minion deck. That doesn't, like, that doesn't sound even slightly interesting. So... I'm going to come down here, and I'm taking a stand here, Lux. I think this card is garbage, because no one really wants to play it. There are going to be people out there who think I'm clearly crazy. They're like, what? If I could play Braids, I would do it in a second. And I would tell that, look at that person in the eye, and I'm like, yep. Cause, and your friends never, never want to see you play that deck. Ever. And so if we're really genuinely interested in making Commander fun, for everybody, like the whole pod gets to enjoy the experience. This is not a card to play, and that's why it's banned. And it's the same reason it's garbage. No one wants to see it because no one likes it. So, sorry, Braids. My vote is you're garbage. So, Lux, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me it's not garbage. And honestly, I don't have anything to counter your points. Yeah. So it's garbage. Yep. Braids, thou art garbage. I'll be gone. The garbage pill with you. I need, one of, I need the garbage pill sound. Like me like opening the lid of a metal tent trash can and like slam, slamming something in it. So that's braids. Boom. Dunzo. Cool. Cool. Now, I like, have you played mono blue braids? I don't know what the other one's called. I forgot. Conjurer Adept, I think. Yeah, Conjurer Adept, where you get to like play big fatties out of your hand. And have you ever played gonna, this one? So I'm gonna be honest, like I haven't seen any of them in play at all. So Braids Conjure Adept, two blue blue for a two two, so same essential cost. Um, but at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player may put an artifact creature or a land card from their hand onto the battlefield. That seems like just the silliest thing you could possibly play. <laughs> like that's like just absurdity ensues. Let's go see what let's go see what's in that deck. Let's go see what EDH Rex says is in the Braids Conjure Adept deck. Because it is it's still it's still legal. Conjure Adept. Yeah, loading up Braids Conjure Adept. Let's see. Hmm. All right, let's go have a look. So they're playing, oh, Nezahal, Sphinx of the Second Sun, Scourge of Fleets, Stormtide Leviathan, Arcanus, the Omnipotent, uh, that Betrays, Clever Impersonator, Tidespout Tyrant. So all the biggest, bluest things you can find. All the biggest, bluest things. Agent of Treachery. Oh, God. This is, just look at this thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. That seems silly. <laughs> now, okay, I did see Braids Law Minion on EDH Rec 2. Let's see, it, was, it says, it'll tell me it's banned, but I wonder if it has a, if it has a deck. 
Oh, God, look at this. This is why this card's banned, folks. You want to create? Let's talk about the high synergy cards that appear with uh, a Braids Cabal minion deck. Lux, you want to hear this? All right. Okay, so this says high synergy cards, including things like Smallpox, Contamination, Nether Void, Ophiomancer, Bitter Blossom. Okay, Ophiomancer and Bitter Blossom make the tokens so you can sack a token to, to Braids every turn without losing like, actual things in front of you. Dark Confidant, Dreadhorde Invasion, same thing, makes a token. Pox, Reassembling Skeleton, so you have Sack, so you have sack Fodder. Bloodgas, him to track. Like, like, no one has cards in hand. No one has creatures in the battlefield, and everyone is crying because this is just the nastiest piece of work ever. And then, other cards include smokestack. <laughs> like smokestack. Like, oh god. <laughs> oh no, just like, just the worst. Phyrexian Revoker, so you never cast anything. Burglar Rat. That's so awful. Oh no. Yeah, no, this is, looks totally unfun. And I'm now sure it's a, like a Turgrid goes in this deck in a heartbeat. Like, I, I have to go find the creatures, but like, do I have creatures there? Uh, these are creatures. Where's Turgrid? Why is Turgrid not in this deck? I figured Turgrid would be here. But anyway, yeah, no. Nope, this card is trash. Because no one wants to play that deck. No one wants to play that deck. Because you literally would sit there for four hours and spin your wheels and watch the, the Braids player kill all your things. Make you sack everything. Not even not even fun. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. I'm out. <laughs> oh, God. All right, Lux, should we move on? Yep. All right, let's move on. All right, so segment two. So... Um, there was an article that was, and I'll put the article in the, uh, in the show notes from, put it on the website, the Commander's Herald, uh, commandersherald.com. And essentially, uh, it's called 120 is the new 100. And so the author, who was one Dana Roach, who some of you might know from the EDH Rec podcast, I believe, um, basically is postulating that. Over time, games change and evolve. And so, for instance, to use the example of baseball, where today, where the pitcher mound is, has not always been where the pitching mound has been in the past. So, back a very long time ago, um, the pitching, or the spot where a pitcher would pitch from, was about 10 feet closer than it is currently. Um, and... Baseball decided that in the interest of trying to create more offense and give batters a better opportunity to hit the ball, they backed up the pitcher 10 feet. And consequently, it gave hitters just that much extra lead time to try and see where the ball is to hit it. And that's just sort of a natural evolution of the game of baseball uh, and the rules that govern it. And so, using the example of baseball, this author... Dana, Dana Roach basically comes along and says, well, maybe it's time for Commander to consider expanding to 120 cards instead of staying at 100, you know, forever, basically. And so I think it's a really interesting thought prospect or a thought, thought experiment for a couple of reasons. Um, and basically it lays out like sort of like the pros of moving to 120 cards instead of keeping it at 100. And I think it might be really worth our while and spending a little bit of time just sort of unpacking this there, Lux, and sort of going through the idea of having a 120 card deck instead of having a 100 card deck. Now, Lux, without having read the article particularly closely, what is your thought on the idea of having 120 cards in your deck instead of 100? Well, in my opinion, they, it opens the door for a little bit more creativity and like you have a little bit more room to and add fun cards in. Yeah, I think that's to me is the big selling feature here is the fact that if you move to 100 cards, 120 cards, you have room for those extra like those cards that are were on the bubble that would be really fun to put in your deck 
and maybe it matches thematically, but doesn't really match on power level. And so you end up chopping them most of the time because you're looking to make sure that you don't get blown out of your meta. If you dilute the concentration of your deck effectively by adding some extra cards, you know, I think that would be a really interesting effect to make some, some deck construction and allow people to explore some underplayed cards. So I really am a big fan of, um, of the idea that putting you know, some extra cards in your deck up to, you know, up to 120 would be really beneficial. Um, what are the other points, Lux? Get this. So back a long, long time ago when like, you know, alpha, beta, unlimited were, were being printed, they printed about somewhere shy of 600 cards a year. They did that for mm, a long time. And, but now... At the with the rate of increasing um, speed for um, things like uh, secret layers or in your um, what else? So secret layers or the uh, the premium products that are out there or commander precons or specialty sets like Jumpstart. You know how many cards they're printing this year alone? So in the, in the year of 2021. And how many? Unique in the, over two thousand new cards. Oof. That's a lot of cards. Yeah. Now, not all of them are any good, but still, two thousand new cards, and we're expected to find places to play them, presumably, right? Yep. That's the, that's the theory, right? They would like Wizards of the Coast would like us to buy their cards so we could presumably play with them in some configuration of a deck. Right, but my deck's already jammed full of stuff. You're expecting me to go through and be able to make cuts to put enough cards from your set, justify buying. Hopefully, in your for Wizard's sake, multiple boxes of of product. But I only can use like a handful of the cards in my decks. Because there are so many cards, and the, many of them don't fit. So, if you expand the cap on your decks, you have the potential to to add more cards to your to your card to your deck, make use of more obscure cards or more cards that are even recently printed that may not have a home yet. I think that to me seems like a pretty reasonable way to address having so many additional new cards printed into the format. Lux, Lux what do you thought? What do you think? on the idea of like just how to accommodate so many new cards being printed. Honestly, I think this is the best way to do it. And then they expand into the card slots a little bit more and they allow for like, and the 20 more to be added. Yeah. I, I kind of, you know, echo that idea. Like I think, yeah, I want, I want to see people play those fun cards. Right. Um. So, yeah, like it, it, I think it just produces uh, more options and trying to promote deck diversity, um, because out you because you're out, you know, you may have to scrape a little deeper in your de in your pool of, of of playables to put together your deck, and that's not a bad thing. I kind of like when people look through boxes and find cool tech to put in their decks and make and make their deck. Whether it's old or whether it's new, I don't care. Just new tech to make their deck, you know, a little bit extra cool or unique or whatever. Right, Lux? Like, I'm sure at the yep. store, people when people see cool new tech come out, like whether it's a new card or it's an old card that now has got more relevance because of new things have been printed. Like, that's all cool, right? Yep. I'll, audience, I'll give you a great example of this of this sort of card. Um, so with all the treasures that have been printed in the last, oh, geez, I don't know, uh, call it two, like two years, not even that. I don't think like we've had a lot of treasure goodies printed in the last while. Um, this made a card that was from, um, new fire, new, the new, uh, new Phyrexia block, um, um, 
Culveridian Revel really come to the fore. Have you seen this card before, Lux? Nope. So, one green green for an enchantment. And it says, whenever an artifact is put into an opponent's graveyard from the battlefield, you may draw a card. That doesn't sound like big text, right? No, not really. But think about like that deck. But think about that deck that's got all, that makes a whole pile of treasures. Every treasure they sack is now going to be you drawing a card. Every clue token, every food token, every mind stone or or commander sphere they sacrifice, anything. That's going to be cards in your hand. And this is all, and like Viridian Revel has been around for, well, a long time, since 2012. And we're talking about people are adopting it because in response to having seen um, more treasure makers and more people sacrificing treasure tokens. So, like, this sort of card might be shunted to the outs, like, to the, like, you know, to being uh, like something you're, you're considering heavily for the end of your deck, but doesn't make that 100 card list well now at 120 you can slide in your viridian revel and potentially draw a whole pile of cards so i like the idea of having more options for our decks like you don't have to run viridian revel but you might want to just saying you might want to anyway in your 100 card decks and the best part about it lux it's green so so, uh those of us who are green mages we love it Are there any uh, anything else about uh, about the illustrious move to 120 cards that you like, Lux? You've talked about how it gives some more spots for cards. You've talked about how it's uh, it might you know create some diversity. Was there anything else that you like about the idea of moving to 120 cards? And the, another thing in the, that I can think of is the. Basically, it'll force your opponents to be more in the creative. They actually have to work for their wins. Yeah. No, I think I agree with you there. I think they have to work for it a little bit more because they're... Right now, we run into the problem where, you know, decks that are 100 cards, as much as it doesn't seem like... It feels like, oh, it's a really big deck. Like, people still find their combos with alarming regularity. Bottom line. There's no other way to slice it here, folks. Um, and so now they're going to have to do a little bit more and not just because they're not going to be able to find and their tutor is quite so fast or they, or they may not draw into the combo as often and they have to work a little bit harder for their for their wins or at the very and at the very least if they can't find their combo, they have to MacGyver another way to win. Do you guys ha- Did you guys have MacGyver as a TV program a long time ago, Lux? I don't even remember. Or was that a Canadian no, TV we did. show? Okay, and thank God. Goodness, I thought I thought for a second it might have been a Canadian program, and now I'm the only person talking about it. And but yeah, so we had maybe you may have to MacGyver yourself a win, you know, with a 120 card deck because you can't reliably find your combo. And I think I'm pretty okay with that. <laughs> like I think that's a perfectly reasonable way to play the game. <laughs> so yeah. Um, the other piece that I that uh, Dana Roach raises in his in his article is that it dilutes the impact of staples. um, He used a really good example of, as a probability-based response. Um, So if you have a 99-card library and uh, you are looking to draw a Ristic Study or your Smothering Tithe, so the chances of it appearing in your opening seven in a 100-card deck is about 7%. Or in to have you draw your Ristic Study in the first ten cards you've seen is about ten percent, or fifteen percent for if it, if if you look in the top fifteen cards, or if you manage to draw twenty, it's a twenty percent chance you find your Ristic Study. And you know twenty doesn't sound like a big percentage, but as we all know, like when you see someone resolve their Ristic Study, it's like that's a big time card. Even only at 20%, when it shows up, that's a big deal. Right, Lux? Do you agree? Yep. So now, with a 119-card deck, 
the probability of drawing your Rhystic Study in the opening seven is just shy of 6%. It doesn't sound like a big difference from like 7% to just under 6. But look at this. So in the first 10 cards, chances of you drawing your Rhystic Study would be 8.4%. That's like you've lost 2.5%, over 2.5% really, in the top 10 cards. And you look at the top 15, you drop 15 cards, your chances of drawing your Rhystic Study would be 12.6%, which is, you know, still the same 2.6% off, but like a 12% ratio versus 15 sounds a lot different. Like it sounds, it sounds like a very significant drop off. And then finally in the top 20 cards, it was 20.2 in, in a 100 card deck, but it's 16.8 in a 119 card deck. So... Just to say, the probability of seeing something like a Rhystic Study or a Smothering Tithe, tithe or a Dockside Extortion actually takes a pretty significant dip um, as a result of when we do 120 cards. And that's not bad for us. Because none of us like, did you pay the one? Did you pay the one? Did you pay the one? Right, Lux, is like, how many times do you get asked that by the Rhystic Studies player and you just want to strangle them? Honestly, like, I'm not going to lie to you. I've dealt with someone like that before, and that was one of the first cases where I had a victory via Jocko Hops. <laughs> and, like, I literally, like, I... Like, scoop? Yeah, like, I reset the entire game to and to turn one, and everybody just scooped. They weren't dealing with that. <laughs> well, I guess that's the time to play a salty card like that. So, anyway... Long and short of it is, the probability of you drawing into like some sort of nasty card in your deck and your staple just dropped a not insignificant percentage. So, for all these reasons, these all sound like benefits and perks to me, forcing people to do things that are different in order to... Let's look at some of the negatives associated with doing this. Because like, right now we've seen all the positives, and it seems like there's quite a number of them. Right, Lux? Would you agree there seems to be quite a number of positives associated with this idea? But there are definitely got to be yep. some negatives. It can't just be all rosy. So, one of the ones that people broached in the comments, more so than by Dana Rose, people commenting in it, are on it, commented on the fact that Shoveling a or shuffling a 100 card deck is already challenging. Lux, what, what are your thoughts? Is it challenging to shuffle a 100 card deck? Yeah, no, they there are ways of getting around it. You know, like split your deck in half, shuffle one side, shuffle the other half, and then mix it together. Agreed. So there's, there are ways to do it. It's not all perfect. I agree, and that's why we're playing casually. So it may not be as perfectly randomized as you might like if you're playing at a tournament but you know if you're playing with your friends on a on a weekend or a, a commander night whatever you have it i think it would be uh less you know worrisome for people if they just gave it a try i think we'd all we'd all adapt pretty well i'll be honest with you i think we'd adapt pretty quickly um so i don't think that one's a particularly restriction to put on us is that it's hard to shuffle and so I, there's lots like you said there's lots of ways to work around shuffling um, even if you're using big heavy you know whatever like sleeves or whatever so I think we probably figure it out without too much challenge um there would also be some question that there would be some archetypes that are very fringe that have just enough cards to support deck but it's still no good and now we're you know, boosting the card pool another 20 percent to get to 120 might mean that some of these archetypes sort of disappear because there just isn't a critical mass of cards to make a viable standard okay what are your thoughts on that one the idea that expanding the card pool actually makes it harder to build some of these more fringe decks uh, uh, honestly, I mean, 
I'm pretty sure they can. Because, you know, they, there are some archety archetypes that get overplayed, you know, they, the most popular ones, and then why not give other archetypes and a, a chance to they ones that have more support in them, but like, aren't, like, meta, like, they're not as viable as those other archetypes were. Like, still, like, give them a chance. Yeah. Yeah, no, like... Let's go see, let's go see the top commanders, anyway. Let's go have a look at the top commanders for this week. Hmm. Oh, the past two years, Kenrith, Atraxa, Corvold. Yeah. I didn't realize Kenrith was now the top deck. Look at that. Um, also, um, like, I guess the other point that I was going to make here, too, is that if your deck has increased by 20% in size, would it also stand to reason, Lex, that your cost of your deck is going to increase by some percentage as well. Yep. Yeah, and that's a real problem for some people. Like some of us play very much on the margins where we like we talked about last week we we trade on Puka Trade or Card Sphere or we buy list aggressively to to stores so that we can afford to play the game we like to play. Um and don't just think endless amounts of money in it. Now I do know there's some people who have very deep pockets who can afford to spend a lot of money. But like to many players, increasing the cost of every one of your decks, let's imagine Lux that you have 10 decks. How many, would you have would 10 decks seem like a reasonable number? Uh, yeah. So 10 decks and now you got to increase the average value of each deck by call it 20 bucks. You just spent $200 upgrading your decks to make sure you had enough cards in your deck to play the format it seems like a bit of a, a bit of a downer huh yep yeah so i don't know like i think i i think the problem is surmountable i'll be honest with you folks but it definitely is real and it's definitely a problem so hmm uh any other thoughts or lux on you know, having a 120 card deck. And no, not really. No, not really. Yeah, like I thought it was a really interesting article. Uh, and like I said, folks, you should probably go and read it. Uh, I think it is very interesting to, as a thought experiment, to think about what would the format look like if we if we suddenly all moved to 120 card decks. And I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't really know what to say. But it would be interesting to say the least. Whatever happened. Lux, should we move on? Yep. All right, we'll move on. We'll catch our this week's deck. All right, so folks, I'm going to give you a little context around this one. And so this week's deck is a Wrath Capation deck. So Wrath Capation being one of the uncommon legendary creatures from, Domin from our return to Dominaria not that long ago. And um, somebody... Uh, was on Twitter and said, "Hey, if you could build any commander deck for ten bucks, what would you build, and what what would you include in the deck?" And so I took him up on the challenge, and I said I would build Wrath Capation. And someone said, "Well, let's see the list." So I brewed up a list here, and I have to say I'm a little bit astonished by the price of the deck. But anyway, let's have a talk through the deck. So Wrath Capation is two white blue for a 3-3 three, three flash flying creature. Uh, legendary creature, human wizard. And it says you may cast historic spells as though they had flash. So it comes down to this idea of what is a historic spell. It's planeswalkers. It's artifacts. It's uh, sagas uh, specifically. Or it's other legendary creatures. Or legendary permanents, I suppose. So... Hmm. Giving your team flash. That seems pretty good. So you can, you know, wait several turns and then flash in your Rathcapation and then untap and flash in more artifacts. I think that seems pretty potent. So Lux, what are your thoughts on Rathcapation? He looks pretty cool. I mean, he's he's... He has a cool ability, and we've, we've all known that, oh, what's it? What's that one that Josh D. Kawhi loves to play with? Uh, Vidal Orrery is very powerful. 
very powerful card. And so Wrath Capation kind of has a Vidalcan Orrery feel to him. Would you agree? Yep. Yeah, so let's talk about what this deck wants to do. So this deck wants to make use of Raph's ability there to bring things in uh, with flash speed. So you're playing a lot of enchant, sorry, a lot of creatures, and they're all, almost all of them, are uh, artifacts. Meaning you can cast pretty much your entire creature suite from the standpoint of somebody who is, um, like, just playing. You're just playing lots of like you're just gonna cast lots of art artifacts over and over and over again. That is kind of the goal of the deck. So you've got uh, in your creatures, like there's 36 creatures in the deck, but there's like one that is two, three, oh man. I think there's only three of the creatures that are not artifact creatures. Oh, sorry, Emery and Dead-Eyed Quartermaster are, you know, five of us. Um, which is... <laughs> Five of them, which is kind of interesting, to say the least. Five non-artifact creatures. And then you also have another 12 artifacts like that are either mana dorks or equipment. And then you have you know things like Imbolus's Clutches, which is an enchantment that is legendary. You have Elizabeth Conqueror's Death for the same reason. So there's lots of historic things that you can cast. Which all seems sweet. Um, let's look at the ramp. Okay, Lux? So I think ramp is usually a pretty big piece of any decks. So this deck ramps uh, in a couple of interesting ways. And one of them is should not be a surprise to anybody here. Uh, I'm running Gold Vein Pick and Prying Blade as my way of ramping with treasure tokens. Which seems like a bad choice considering i just talked about viridian revel however they're both cheap and you can put them on an evasive creature and get in and, and ramp your deck um you have mindstone we have hedron archive uh which are two more potential ramping options i don't have a saw ring in here folks because i elected not to um so yeah no it's you know that's the ramp um you know, otherwise you're playing 38 land, which is probably a little higher than many decks. But um, the fact that you've got 38 land means you're probably not going to miss too many land drops, which is kind of key. Um, yeah. And that's my that was my thought for the ramp. Um, how does this deck want to win? Well, there's a couple of different ways this deck wants to win. So the first one is we're looking to play. Uh, where it's, where's the card? <sighs> Metalwork Colossus. There it is. We have a Metalwork Colossus up here. So Metalwork Colossus is, you know, exactly, is an artifact. It's a 10-10. And you can reduce this casting cost if you control non-creature artifacts. Well, since you have a bunch of them over there on the other side, you can probably cast your, um, your Metalworker Colossus, sorry, your Metalwork Colossus pretty reliably or much cheaper. Uh, we also have Consulate Dreadnought, which is another win con, which is a one mana 711 crew six vehicle. However, did you see what, what I put I slipped in the deck there, Lux? Yeah. I slug I managed to sneak in the uh, the moose or the, the, the beer that goes along with whatever happened earlier why am i talking about that i'm all distracted there all right um okay i'm just ugh. all right talking about something else um so yeah no so uh uh you've got the console of dreadnought we've got the giant ox we've got the metalwork colossus as a potential win con you've got the mirror battle sphere which is always a good one um and then you're in and, and Traxos, which I sort of figured was the other big way you could smash through and beat your opponents. Um, of course, you could always do things like Imbolus's Clutches, their big thing, and steal it away. You could play Mirrored and Besieged, which doesn't have a necessarily automatic win condition, but as a default lose condition for somebody on the battlefield. So, seems good. 
but yeah, no. And then when you have things go and die and get put in the graveyard, you have a Hannah Shift Navigator in the deck that says one white blue tap return target artifact or enchantment card from your grave graveyard to your hand. So you can go and recycle all your enchantments or all your artifacts if they get blown up, and that seems pretty good in this sort of deck. So um when in doubt and things start dying you still have a um the, where to go you have a scrap trawler and you have a teshar ancient ancient azure but anyway pretty cool stuff now lux how much do you think this deck costs and i would say and then it's probably went past the ten dollar mark Yes, I couldn't quite get 10 bucks. However, I got it to 30. $30 for a commander deck. Tell me that isn't getting people in the door and playing for cheap. Tell me, like that seems like a huge, huge win. And you're yeah, going to do all sorts of cool stuff. Go ahead for it. What's it what are you going to say? I was just going to say, like, I think that's the cheapest uh, one of our decks has ever been. Uh, it's right there. There's one other one I think we got we got down near 30 as well, too. But yeah, this is right there as one of our cheapest decks. And, like, it looks like it packs some serious pump punch. I mean, like, Metalwork Colossus. I like that Metalwork Colossus. I don't think people read this card very carefully. So, it says it's 11-11 for 10... 11-11... Sorry, 11-mana, 10-10, artifact, creature, construct. And it says Metalwork Colossus costs X less to cast, where X is that total will convert a mana cost of non-creature artifacts you control. And then it's also sacrifice two artifacts, return Metalwork Colossus from your graveyard to your hand. So you can recur your Metalwork Colossus and cast it a flash with Wrath. That seems good, right? Seems all good. Yep. And then of course you have a Teshar, and we've got like all sorts of just excellent ways of seeking extra value out of this so what do you think lux what are your thoughts on this deck it seems pretty solid yeah like i i would be pretty excited to sleeve this up and give it give it a whirl like, i really would i want to i want to sleeve it up and see what i can do because there's a, quite a lot of i think quite a little bit of play to this in terms of um finding cards that work for you but mm, yeah no that's my thoughts that's my thoughts there on that i kind of like this as a, as a as a deck and 30 bucks i think you can't go wrong so that's that's my two cents so lux should we move to wrap it up or is there anything else you want to say about the raft deck and i'd say we should wrap it up yeah, I think we should too. And but the funny thing is, there's no green in that deck, and neither of us are. I'm, and I'm not. I'm not sick and vomiting from it because I think it's still pretty good. However, anyway, let's move to getting out of here, letting you all get on with your evenings or your mornings or whatever time it is. Drive safe, folks. Remember, put it, put us on the, put us on the stereo, and don't drive around with your phone diddling with your phone. Put it away. All right. So anyway, giveaway um, information, just like I promised. So for our giveaway. We'll be, get, we'll be holding the giveaway and, and closing it on the 29th of October. Um, after the 29th of October, we will be announcing the winner of it on the week of the show of the week of November the 1st. So to that end, if you want to get uh, in, entered to win a pack of MH2, courtesy of us here at the podcast, this is what you need to do. You need to, when the show goes live on Twitter, you need to like... And subscribe so you or follow us on Twitter. So like it, follow it, retweet us. And last but not least, step four is you need to hashtag us with Epic EXP Cast. Don't forget the hashtag, Epic EXP Cast. Um, that's going to help us find you and and track you down and make sure the right people got entered. So yes, please, if you are interested, like us. Follow us on Twitter, retweet the show, and then, of course, 
hashtag it epic exp cast all right very simple but it's going to get you and, and it's going to cost you nothing but it's going to make us very happy um so locked anything else about the about the giveaway if you okay lux if you could open a pack of mh2 tonight what would be the one card you wanted in the rare slot if you got just one pick that's a tough one isn't it right what do you think lux lux uh oh uh oh having to ask lux if he can hear me oh all right hey lux am i back lux oh dear all right uh, let's wrap it up there folks all right here we go um so if you like the show um be sure to um send us a message uh and follow us along on social media so if you want to send us an email which we always love you can email us at the epic experiment podcast at gmail.com uh, if you want to follow us and hit us up on Twitter, which is probably the easiest place to find us, you can find us at, at the Epic EXP Cast. So Epic EXP Cast, that is us. Um, that's probably the easiest way to reach out to us and get a hold of us. Uh, or if you want to find this week's deck or last week's deck or any other deck that we've ever pr- produced here on the show, you can go to themoxfield.com and look up the username, the Epic Experiment Podcast. You can find all of our decks. So, of course, leave, ask a question, leave a comment, like, follow, subscribe. Every little bit helps get the word out that we are here talking Commander with you each and every week. We'd love to hear from you. We love the engagement. We love talking to people about the game. So, please, please, please send us your love and your emails. We love it. Um, next week, uh, we're going to be getting close. We'll see if we've got some Crimson Vow or whatever else pops up in the world of magic. But that is for next week. Until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast. Signing off. This is all the best. Thank you very much, everybody. Take care.